This week's scripture reading is from Matthew 2, verses 7 till 12, New Living Translation. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone, and it's good to be uh, together this morning. Uh, thank you, Joy, for reading the scripture. Uh, Joy and uh, Jerry uh, Dannon uh, are uh, fairly new to our congregation. We're glad to uh, meet them. And uh, the Riche family, who, uh, who lit the candles this morning and had the readings, are, are fairly new to us as well, all the way from Sudbury. And so wonderful to, to have you folks. Good to kind of get to know all the the new people who are a part of our congregation. Well, uh, second Sunday of Advent. You know, uh, would anyone just happen to know the first question recorded in the Old Testament? The first question in the Bible. Uh, If I gave you lots of time to think about it, you would get it. I gave you a little warning this week in the newsletter, uh, and uh, I had this all synchronized this morning, I have to tell you, and then somebody threw me off just before the service and said, what verse were you thinking about? And I was thinking about a different verse than they were thinking about, and when we actually checked it, they were right. So my question this morning is, what is the second question in the Bible. Oh. Very, uh, it's just an act of humility and I bow in deference. It's great. Well, it's interesting. The second question in the Bible is asked by God. uh, So I could actually put it this way. What is the first question in the Bible asked by God? And it would be right. But what is the second question in the Bible? And it's Genesis 3.9. And the question is, where are you? Where are you? What a great question. Where are you? And of course we know that it's a very timely question because Adam and Eve were hiding. And here's how it reads. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid... I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? We were talking a week or two ago about Robert Fulgham. Uh, he is a captivating author. Uh, he is a school teacher. He's been a pastor. I mean, he's done a lot of different things. He's a guy who knows how to express his thoughts very distinctly. And he wrote the little book, It Was on Fire When I Lay Down on It. Now, what a title, eh? It Was on Fire When I Lay Down on It. And he wrote in this book, In the early dark, uh, dry dark of an October evening, the neighborhood children are playing hide-and-seek. How long since I played hide-and-seek? Thirty years, maybe. Maybe more. I still remember how. Did you ever see have a kid in your neighborhood who always hid so well that nobody could find him? We did. And after a while, we would give up on him and go off leaving him to rot wherever he was. Sooner or later, he would show up all mad because we didn't keep looking for him. And we would get mad because he wasn't playing the game that was supposed to be played. There is hiding and there is finding, we would say. And he would say, it is hide and seek, not hide and give up. So he says, as I write this, the neighborhood game goes on. And there is a kid under a pile of leaves in the yard just under my window. He's been there a very long time now. And everybody else is found. And they're about to give up on him over at the base. I considered going over to the base and telling him where he's hiding. And I thought about setting the leaves on fire to drive him out. Finally, I just yelled, Get found, kid! And scared him so bad, he probably wet his pants and started crying and ran home to tell his mother. It's real hard to know how to be helpful sometimes. Fulgham writes, A man I know found out last year he had terminal cancer. He was a doctor. And so he knew about dying. And he didn't want to make his family and friends suffer through that with him. So he kept his secret and died. And everybody said how brave he was to bear his suffering in silence and not tell everybody and so on and so forth. But privately, his family and friends said how angry they were that he didn't need them, that he didn't trust their strength, and it hurt that he didn't say goodbye. He hid too well. Getting found would have kept him in the game. Adam and Eve hid from God when they sinned in the garden. And then God began to search. Where are you, Adam? It wasn't as though God didn't know where Adam was at all, but he wanted Adam to understand his lostness, his need, and acknowledge his sin. He wanted Adam to admit that he needed to be found. Uh, I, I think it comes as no surprise to any of us that when I say that we've all been hiding from God. Some are hiding now. Some of us have hidden in the past. The Bible is quite clear. All, 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 everyone, all, we like sheep have gone astray. For all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. For some, the mistakes, the fallenness, the lostness is on the front burner, even today. We know how and where and why we're hiding from God. We know. But the message that God was trying to give to this planet is that he loves all of us so much. We all matter to him incredibly more than we could even imagine or think and realize. And we're all lost. And we all need to be found. The Apostle Paul in his travels had some very unique words to the people who lived in Athens, especially the philosophers that he debated with. And he wrote these words. The God who made the world and everything in it, this master of sky and land, doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the, uh, the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark but actually find him. He doesn't play hide-and-seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. Can't get away from him. Uh, Or in the New International Versions, uh, version, for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul said it this way, that God did this so people would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Now my second question is this. And I'm a little nervous about this because I didn't go back to check this one. What is the first question in the New Testament? We know the second question in the Old Testament is, where are you? See how that just went out of sync? I wanted to say the first question in the Old Testament, the first question in the New Testament, but you really got me rattled. So the, the, the first question in the New Testament is, where is he? Where is he? In the Old Testament, where are you? In the New Testament, the question is, but where is he? Matthew 2.1 says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, friends, do you want to buy something nice for Christmas? Somebody a nice Christmas gift. Looking for a great Christmas idea. Pick up a copy of Anne Voskamp's new Christmas book called The Greatest Gift. Can't read it too well. I've already received my Christmas gift from my wife. I've got it. And uh, what an amazing writer Anne Voskamp is. She captures a great thought. Let me quote. We only find out where we are when we find out where he is. We only find out where we are when we find out where he is. You have to think about that. I love it. We may not even realize that we're hiding until we allow him to find us. As Voskant writes, we lost ourselves at one tree and only find ourselves at another. We lost ourselves at one tree and only find ourselves at another. And God in his grace 
is searching for us. And the place we get found is when we come to the cross. When we come to Jesus Christ. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. It wasn't the Romans or the Jewish people. It was us. And our hiding from God, our sin, can only be dealt with by coming to Jesus Christ and by receiving the forgiveness that he purchased for us through his death on the cross. Jesus paid our debt. He suffered our punishment. He spanned the great gulf between God and man through the cross. It's not a matter of what we can do for God to earn our way into his favor. It's a matter of what he's already done for us. You know, ask people today what they think they have to do to get to heaven. And and most people, 8 out of 10, say, i got to improve my performance a little bit. i got to be a little better. And, you know, Jesus' story, all of his stories contradict that answer. All we must really do is like the guy under the leaves. We must cry out, help! I'm lost. I need to be found. And God welcomes home anyone who will have him. And in fact, he's made the first move already. You know, many professionals, uh, doctors, lawyers, marriage counselors, set a high value on their profession. They hang their shingle and they wait for their clients to come to them. Not God. As Soren Kierkegaard put it, when it is a question of a sinner, he does not merely stand still open his arms and say, come hither. No, he stands there and waits as the father of the lost son waited. Rather, he does not stand and wait. He goes forth to seek as the shepherd sought the lost sheep, as the woman sought the lost coin. He goes, yet no, he has gone, but infinitely farther than any shepherd or any woman. He went the infinitely long ways from being God to becoming man, and that way he went in search of sinners. A wonderful quote. What's the condition of your heart? Is there pride and stubbornness and hardness of heart in your life at a very deep level? Does that stubbornness keep you from saying, I need God. I've sinned. I need to be found and I want to be. Jesus, forgive me. Every time you clench your fist and your heart, you get a little tougher on the inside. A little harder to get through to. Say, I won't let this get through to me. Charles Spurgeon wrote so meaningfully when he, when he penned these words. No matter what the day holds, how the season unfolds, God holds and unfolds. I am come to find you wherever you may be. I will look for you till the eyes of my pity see you. I will follow you till the hands of my mercy reach you. And I will still hold you to my heart. That's God. Are you hiding too well? Are you hiding too well? Have you been hiding too long? God says, get found. Get found. A Christian leader told the story of his battle with his 15-year-old daughter. He knew she was using birth control and several nights she had not bothered to come home at all. The parents had tried various forms of punishment to no avail. The daughter lied to them, deceived them, found a way to turn the tables on them and say, well, it's your fault. If you wouldn't have been like this, you were so strict and this is what's making me like I am. You know, the father said, I remember standing before the plate glass window in my living room, staring out into the darkness, waiting for her to come home. And I felt such rage. 
I wanted to be like the father of the prodigal son, but I wasn't. I was so furious for, with my daughter for the way she could manipulate us and twist the knife to hurt us. And yet I must tell you, when my daughter came home that night, or rather the next morning, I wanted nothing in the world so much as to take her in my arms, to love her, to tell her I wanted the best for her. I was a helpless, lovesick father. And that's what our shepherd, our loving Heavenly Father is like when you decide to come home. You would think, you're really going to get it now. But instead, His gracious love, His wonderful care, His outstretched arms are there to greet us. He wants nothing more than to take us in His arms and tell us that we matter to Him. Quite a week, hasn't it been? Nelson Mandela passed away, age 95. Quite a story, quite a, quite a man. Um, spent 27 years in this little prison cell. Even though hidden from public, he decided not to hide in the cell. He decided that he would open his heart, he would open his mind, he would open his soul. And he made a deliberate choice to forgive, to be found, and to love. And his ability to forgive gave him the strength of character to lead a nation. I'm not sure I've heard any, any more positive con comments of one particular individual in all my life. Probably will never. I think of Mother Teresa and the many good comments that were made of her. And Nelson Mandela has got to be right up there. Only Jesus Christ, in, in my estimation, of course, has a is a higher standing. But what a man. What a man, Nelson Mandela. This morning, I, I hope I can, you can see in your mind's eye and in your heart that the shepherd's arms are open for you and you don't have to be in the cell in prison, but you can open your heart and you can open your arms and you can receive all that God has for you. And when we take the step of baptism as a young person, or as an adult, it's a clear sign that we no longer want to hide, but that we're, we're willing to be found. And can't you see that little guy this morning in the, in the leaves, this fellow that Robert Fulgham was talking about? And finally, can't you see him letting the rest of the group discover who he is, and realizing that he's, he's hiding too well, but now he decides he wants to be found. And that's a good way to think about baptism. We, we may have been hiding too well, from God, from Jesus Christ. We perhaps have not wanted to be found or we've been afraid to be found. What a great discovery that it's a good thing to be found and that Jesus Christ wants us to be found. So baptism is a sign this morning that, that we've been found. We've, we've stepped out from under the leaves of hiddenness from God and said, I'm over here, find me. We have five people who in their own unique way are going to tell you this morning that, that God has found them and that they found Him. That I've given my life to Him through a personal faith and trusted Him. I've trusted my life into His hands and my eternal destiny. I've said yes to Christ. So why be baptized? Well, number one, it's a mark of being found. It's a way of saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior, my friend, and I belong to Him. 
Number two, it's a way to identify with Jesus Christ. We identify with him in what he's done for us. What did he do for us? He died for us. He was buried and he rose again. And our identification is the fact that we too die. We die to things which were a focus in our lives. We die to our selfishness and our pride and our sin. And we ask Christ to forgive us uh, for all of these things. And we rise to a newness of life. Not that we never sin again, of course. But we desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is personal and real. Thirdly, it's public. Jesus calls us to a public commitment. Baptism is an outward profession of an inward confession. And then fourthly, baptism is a sign of new beginnings. It's not a mark of maturity. It signals the beginning. It signals the start of a new road of walking with Christ. And this is a lifetime journey. Baptism is the first sign on the road saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I've been found. So we want to give thanks this morning for these five individuals who have decided to be found by Jesus and who publicly give witness to their faith in him through the waters of baptism. So I'm going to invite you to stand for just a moment and uh, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song. Father, we, uh, uh, we come out from our hiding places this morning. We come out of the shadows this morning uh, to say to you, Lord, over here, I'm over here, it's me, it's Ken. I'm lost. Please find me. And Lord, we want to say this morning, I want to walk with you in my journey all the days of my life. I want to thank you this morning, Lord, for those who are following you in baptism, Sandra and Martin and Emma and Abby and Caitlin. God, thank you for, for what you're already doing in their lives. Some of these are, are children, young people. And Lord, we're so grateful for them. They're just starting out. What a great message this morning that They've, they've said, I'm, I'm found. I'm not going to go through all of my life hiding. I'm going to say right from the very beginning, I'm found, Lord. Here I am. Take my life and let it be. So, Lord, we pray your blessing uh, upon these that are baptized now. And thank you, Lord, that we can sing together and rejoice, God, in your wonderful love for us in your name. Amen.